Welcome to episode number 12 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Today's episode is a discussion about how to find the right real estate agent for your land, or as we call them, land professionals. We will be talking with land professional Todd Dye from Southeast Idaho, who has 20 years of experience in real estate and over a decade of land sales. This discussion will give you pointers on what makes a great land professional and some red flags to look for when choosing to work with somebody on what could be the largest investment you'll ever make. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Todd died. Todd works in southeastern Idaho, uh, just outside of Pocatello at the moment, I believe. Um, and Todd, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us how you got started in the land industry in the first place. Sure. So in 2001, I was uh, living outside of Idaho and I was working as a police officer and um, thought I needed to do something with my investments to try to make a little bit better living, right? <laughs> Take care a little more. So I wanted to invest in real estate. So I started tracking the real estate industry and I ended up just calling a real estate agent um, to go show some houses that I had found for me. And I, I didn't call the agent that helped me buy my house because I didn't know it at the time, but hindsight was um, I felt he could have done a little bit better job for me. So I called this new guy and he's showing me these houses that I found and I'd done a whole bunch of research and I ended up buying a rental house. And he said, you know, you seem to really like real estate. Why don't you get into real estate? And I thought about it. I said, well, I told him, well, I can't give up my job. I got benefits and things, you know, and I, I like my job. And he said, well, just do it on the side. And so I thought about it for a while and I did it. I got licensed in 2001. I've been licensed ever since. Um, but I started the typical, you know, home agent and home selling houses. And then a few years later, all of a sudden across the street from the police department popped up this real estate shop and their logo had a picture of an elk on it. And I like the outdoors. I like spending time in the outdoors and that elk really caught my attention and it was kind of unusual for the area. Um, and so I said, man, I got to walk over there someday and just introduce myself and see what they're all about. And I went over there and this broker focused on land. And I mean, he wouldn't touch a house in a city to save his life, but he did land. And so I went, after I talked to them, they called me back and I went back about a week later and they offered me to come work for them. And that's when I started learning the land industry. And that was probably about 2007, 2008. And, uh, and he did a lot of farms and ranches and recreation property and got me into it, helped me sell my first ranch and first farm and, um, and the recreation. And then, the because I like the outdoors so much, it was a great match for me. So I've been focusing on the land industry ever since then. You know, that's a, that's a good point to bring up since you kind of got geared up into the land industry in that 2007, 2008 time period. <laughs> what, what did that look like for you? You know, because 
the land industry is definitely different than your typical real estate sort of, you know, home centric real estate business. Um, what was that like getting into, uh, into the business during that time period? You know, um, I think, well, I had a great mentor, so it was good, but you know, that 2007, 2008 was, was hard in real estate. I mean, there were a lot of realtors that gave up the career then, um, in that housing market crash, but you know, you did see people that were, um, getting rid of horse properties or, or cattle ranches or farms and getting rid of recreational property. But there were also people because of the volatility of, you know, the stock market or things that wanted to turn to land. So it was difficult, but it was survivable. Um, you know, there were still people out there that, that were turning towards land and, um, you know, I think it made me, um, keep my work ethic during that time frame to to stay active and um you know useful in the industry yeah you got to stay on the hustle during something like that and i wanted to ask you just because you know i started in this industry a couple of years ago and and i think even a couple of years ago recognized that the acceleration of the industry that you see in real estate in general that there's bound to be a market correction which it looks like we're heading into now and and that's it's it's important to keep that mindset like you you know you just stayed on the hustle and and you know you just go about business and and you put your head down and, and get your work done and then there's a lot of investors in the land industry that as opposed to real estate which tends to fluctuate pretty wildly and land tends to be a little more mild in its fluctuations so a lot of people use it as a hedge they do a lot of people are turning to land you know that you always hear the old ads, well, they're not making any more land. Um, and so it's uh, it really is a pretty good commodity for people to invest in. Um, it generally is going to sustain some kind of value. It's going to fluctuate some, but you're right. You generally don't, the pendulum doesn't swing as high to the sides as the, the housing market. Yeah, so, so how long, you started with National Land Realty about a year ago, correct? Year and a half. Yeah, about a year and a half. Year and a half ago, yes. Okay. How how did you come to National Land? Because you didn't start with National Land, but how did how did you end up here? I I didn't. Well, I uh, you know I was I was uh, in that other state with that land brokerage, and I spent twelve years, twelve or thirteen years um, with that land brokerage, and they had a national exposure and national marketing. And when I retired from law enforcement, um, I came back to Idaho. Idaho is where I was born and raised. Um, and so I came back to Idaho and it was logical just to stay in the real estate industry. And because I had the passion for land and I enjoyed the outdoors so much, and then Idaho has so much to offer in the outdoors that it, it was a great way to stay in it. So, but I knew I wanted a company that had a national exposure and so when i first came here i i came with another company who had the same national exposure that my brokerage prior to me had it was just a different brokerage office um and so they had that national exposure that i liked and i hit the ground running here and got things going but just a, a few things happened um with that national exposure and stuff and i felt like 
Idaho wasn't getting its fair share of that national exposure or things. And, uh, and we were plugging away, working, trying to get things going better. But then um, I, I don't even remember how I found national land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, the, maybe they found me. I, you know, I started seeing some of their listings. I started seeing some things that were going on. Um, I, I started getting messages about the things that they were doing. And uh, I started seeing their growth. I started seeing the, the marketing that they were putting out there for people. And I started thinking, man, they have got it going. Um, I should make a phone call and check that out and, uh, and see what they have to offer here in Idaho. And so when I called, they had just like within a couple of weeks opened an office here in Idaho. And so I was able to, uh, you know, they just showed they had so many positive benefits of things that they, they offer. And I think, and really I'll say they offer them to the agents, but vicariously that brings it down to the customers, the buyers and the sellers, because if the agent has the tools that they need to get things done, then that benefits the buyers and the sellers. And I mean, this National Land, really, I've, there's an office staff of 30 people that I can turn to for help. That's unheard of in the real estate world. You know, my sister works for another brokerage here in Idaho. They focus on house of everything she does is on her own. You know, she basically uses their name and that's it. Um, I like that I can call corporate and say, hey, I need some help with this. Or do you have somebody with this expertise? Or can you help me put this packet together? Um, will you help me with these videos? Or what can I do for Man, I can get so much help for national land that trickles down to being benefits for the buyers and sellers that I had to make the I had to make the jump. It was just a logical thing to do. Awesome. And, and so what what kind of land do you typically work with? I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of different parts of the country have different types of land. You find a little more timber in the timber dense areas, a lot down south with the hardwoods that they have down there. There's pine in the northwest. Um, you know, ag tends to take up a lot of the midi, the Midwest. Um, and, and so what kind of land do you typically work with there in Idaho? Well, here in Southeastern Idaho, we work with a lot of farmland, cattle ground, um, some of your hobby farms and recreational properties. I mean, we've got people that want to have a house, but at the same time, they want to let their kids raise a hog for the fair, or they want to raise a couple steers for meat. Or, you know, they've got some horses that they like to ride around with. And so they're not a commercial ranch, but they they want to, to have their hobbies and enjoy their the outdoors. Um, so we work with those folks. Um, we do have, you know, fully commercial professional cattle farms down here. So we've done a lot of cattle grazing ground stuff for, for cattle. And then, of course, farming is really big here in southeastern Idaho. Um, wheat, potatoes, hay, you know, the alfalfa, a lot of those crops. We do the farming ground. And then we get a lot of people that want to recreate. You know, we got beautiful mountains here. And so a lot of people want a place that they're, they're tired of fighting the crowd uh, for the, the trailer space for their RV, you know, where they're parking up four feet from the next trailer. And you can barely fit a picnic table between it on the campground. And you got 400 little hooligans running around making noise, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they, they, 
they want their own place that they can go up and have their their family retreat and they can go up there and so we do a lot of property like that where people are looking for their getaway yeah and you guys have a there's a lot of dairies down there as well right there there are dairies uh, the dairies will move a little bit further to the south over towards okay. twin falls or or places there uh there are dairies here but they're not as predominant as they were when i was growing up here a long time ago yeah it tends to be the commercial outfit they're growing now the family the family dairies are like kind of going by the wayside yeah i grew up on my grandpa's dairy farm and he usually milked between 20 and 25 head of cattle you know twice a day seven days a week 365 days a year and a lot of those are gone now you know it's, it's these commercial farms that they're you know they're milking several hundred head of cattle yeah, um, every yeah. Day, so. well and so i uh, you know i know that we kind of gathered here to, to to chat about you know sort of how to find a great real estate agent or land professional in in our case um and so let's let's jump into that a little bit uh so you know what what in your experience you know you've been at this for a while and you've had some great mentorship and you've worked with some great people um from from what you've seen what is what does a great land professional know what's what's sort of their 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 key information their key insights when they're working with clients well they need to know what they're selling or what they're doing one of the stories like when i retired from law enforcement and moved back to idaho um the property i ended up buying was was a, a house on 26 acres and and it was my little hobby farm you know there's a few horses on it now i've had some steers on it you know we've done different things um but it was 26 acres and the it was being shown to me by the listing agent who was who was brand new in the industry so her broker brought her out to show the property to me and in the course of viewing this property i asked the broker are there any water rights with this property and the broker owner of a company tells me well the well for the house is right there <laughs> well, that's nice now I can walk domestic away. well for a house <laughs> is not even close to the same as water rights right you know and so um you know in idaho and most states you're supposed to have um an expert knowledge of the type of real estate you're getting into and that you're selling and um so you need to know things that come with land um you need to know where you can go get a soil report you need to know how to read a topographical map you you need to know what water rights are you need to understand easements and and are there easements there um you need to understand what kind of crops can come on there you need to understand the fencing laws in the state uh you know and um the difference between water rights or shares from from an irrigation company and things you need to understand that land um has a lot of different things on it and then i am i'm a firm believer in, in putting your boots on the ground too it drives me crazy when i see these listings and i'll talk to people and the agent never even goes out to the land they get the owner to send them a couple of pictures that he's taken of it how can you represent land if you haven't seen it or walked on it 
you know, because maps and pictures of land are great, but they don't tell the whole story. Yeah, so you've got to understand what you're selling, everything from that particular piece to anything that could be associated with it or affect its value. You know, if you've got a utility easement running through the middle of the property, that can affect the value. Well, and there's nuances in there, right? You know, there's there's even things down to knowing which, you know, which type of, of forage um, or which type of browse, sorry, I, I, our, our, our uh, affiliate there, Grant Woods would probably throw something at me for saying forage, browse, <laughs> knowing which kind of browse that the deer have available. Um, you know, knowing that at certain times of the year, certain plants come up at certain times of the year, you have that July period where in through August, where everything kind of dies down, knowing where animals might be, you know, come hunting season or, or which way the wind blows, you know, the, the, the wind tends to shift given morning or evening in those valley areas, or, or even, you know, the water rights is a big deal or, or being on the ground and knowing, you know, like there's good vantage points, there's good access points in these areas. And this is the kind of weather you'll face. Like there's all those kind of nuances that, that if you don't go down there and if you don't know that area that you can, you can be lacking. Right. Right. Well, you're right. I mean, here, we got a lot of mountains around here. So my house in the wintertime, my driveway's in the shade by two o'clock in the afternoon because I back up to a big mountain. And so if I really need the sun to melt the snow and ice in my driveway, which I need to understand how much snow and ice is going to be on a driveway when I represent a, a buyer or a seller. Um, you know, I need to realize that that's not there. Or you're right when you talk about game. I've I've read listings that say, hey, great hunting property. I saw deer tracks on the ground while I was out there. But because you saw deer tracks in April doesn't mean it's good hunting property in October. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you you do see you do see those where they they present it as something right like there are game animals here and, like, and they're all gone by the fall um which which you kind of have to keep track of with 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 those kind of things um or or even or even those steep canyon areas where you know you have a great property but the house is on a north face so being in a northern area it like it, like idaho is you never ever see sunlight once winter hits like that sun gets low on the horizon right. And you end up living in an ice box, you know, four months out of the year and the snow accumulates yes. and it never goes away. You need to have somebody that knows those kind of things. So you do, you're describing my house. I'm on a north facing slope. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those happen. We call them ice box canyons, man. Those, those but, but it's okay. We, we also appreciate it because in the summertime, while it's hot, we're one of the first people to get shade from right. the mountains. So, so there's the flip and that comes down to knowing your buyer, or your seller, what are they looking for? Which would they rather have? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as far as knowledge set, you know, that's, it's a good outline, but what is it, what does a good land professional do? You mentioned going actually to the, to the listing, like the property, what else does a good land agent do on behalf of their clients? Well, I think a good land agent is going to learn the property they're representing. Um, I like to be able to answer all the questions. However, I know that the people are always going to come up with some question you don't know the answer to, but you need to be familiar with it and know it and be able to show that to people. Um, you know, I, I like to take on some of these larger properties. I've got a six seater side by side and I'll throw people in that and we'll drive. I like to get people to the corners. Let's take a look at the land. A good agent's going to let you really look at the land. You need to see the land and know what you're buying and know what the train is. 
because unless it's flat and you can see for miles and miles, if there's any kind of hill on it, what's on the other side of that knoll? What's on the other side of that hill? You need to know that. So you need to be able to get around the land. And I think a, a good land professional is going to make sure that when somebody buys that property, they're not going to be surprised after they close. They need to have known everything they need to know about it, that they're not going to be surprised, that they're not going to have the neighbor come up and say, oh, hey, did you realize that uh, your fence is 10 feet on my property? Because fence lines aren't always on property lines. And there's been Supreme Court cases where people have lost ground because for years and years and years, somebody's fence has been on their property and they haven't said anything about it. Yeah, you get those land where everybody worked with a handshake, you know, 40, 50 years ago, and then you find out that somebody just moved a fence for convenience and it's on your land or, or you're on their land on accident. Right. Well, and even 40 or 50 years ago, even the ability to survey the, the corners and to put the fence in the right spot, there's been so much technology in the last 40 or 50 years. And there are plenty of properties out there with 40 and 50 year old fences, you know, that with the new technology, you can see that that fence is not in the right spot. And I've seen people lose as many as 11 acres, 12 acres. Oh my gosh. You know, that can be pretty significant to lose, to lose that acreage. Um, yeah. And that is uh, a little misleading too. Those juniper fences last forever. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and one of the cases that the Idaho Supreme court settled came right here out of the, in Southeastern Idaho, um, out, out of income. So, and it was the buyer came and bought a property and thought he was getting so many acres, but 40 years ago, the neighbor had put a fence up and that fence encroached on this property, but for 40 years, nobody ever said anything. Then the guy sold the land to this new buyer and the buyer realized, hey, that fence is on my property. And that went to the Idaho State Supreme Court and they ruled that the fence line became becomes the property line. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting to know. Yeah. Um, and I got to commend you there. You use, you use the phrasing of land professional, which I should be cued in on. I was saying land agent, my copywriter is probably going to throw something. At that. So I'm, I'm glad, glad you're using the proper language and I'm not. Um, so I wanted to ask you too, you know, for somebody to know whether they have the right person to work with, they sort of have to know what the experience is like. And, and a lot of what you do is representing sellers of land, right? That's, that's where you can really cater to the land, learn the land, and then show the land to, to potential buyers or, or their agent. Um, what, is, what does that look like from an experience standpoint? You know, uh, you know are, do they hear from you often? Are you in constant contact? Or they just kind of let you go? Or, or, or what's, the, what's sort of the overall experience like? Or even, even from the point of getting to know an agent to work with, you know, what's, what does that look like for you? You know, I, you know, the national association of realtors and a lot of different places recommend interviewing more than one agent. And, and I tell people too, and I may go ahead and talk to others. I'm not afraid of somebody talking to other agents and no realtor should be. Um, I think it's important for people. They've got to be comfortable with somebody. You know, like, for example, I knew a lender that everything was like it was on fire. Everything was done last minute in panic mode, but they got it done, and they're great. And some people, that just drove them crazy. They couldn't – other people were okay with it. They could work with them. I had another lender that 
you know, I was retired military, a little bit older, worked at a slower pace. There were more people comfortable with his pace. He got it done too. Both of them got the job done, but you need to work with somebody that you're comfortable with. But I think it's important when you're looking for an agent, you have to find an agent that's willing to work for you. I hear so many real estate agents, whether they're land professionals or whether they focus on single family units or commercial or kind of, they talk about, yeah, I'm a successful real estate agent. I have X number of listings and I have X number of buyer clients. And to me, to them, it seems like the job is just accumulating listings and buyer clients. And I don't think that's the job. The job is to sell a property. When somebody calls you to sell a property, your job's to sell their property. Your job's not to accumulate a whole bunch of other properties. Now you need to accumulate more than one. You know, nobody wants to feed your family because you sold their property. So you've got to have more than one listing. But the I believe in the having the attitude that you work for each individual client and they are hiring you personally to sell your property, and that's what you need to do. And I don't go around saying, hey, I've got so many listings. I have some people that I'm working for. I work for those people, and I need to put that worth ethic and that time in to work with them. Um, if you got time for a quick story, my daughter moved to North Carolina. They were going to buy their first home. And um, so I wanted to help her find a real estate agent, right? And so I combed listings and I looked for listings that had extra effort put into them because for me that tells me somebody that works hard the quality of pictures were good the description fit the property um it was appropriate in length I mean driving here you get description of a house three bedroom two bath are you kidding that's what's in the header I don't need you to retell me that on the listing <laughs> you know um you know they've got one sentence in there or the listing's been on the market for nine months and it says, hurry, this is going to sell fast. Okay, nine months is not fast. Um, but anyway, I look for a realtor that put in a lot of work into their listings. Their listings can show their quality of work. And then I had my daughter interview three of those people that I thought worked hard. And she narrowed it down to one that she felt, she, she thought they were all good agents, but the one she kind of thought she got along with the best um, and this was a hot market in North Carolina. Houses were selling in hours. And so a house hit the market that my daughter was really in. It fit their parameters, what she was looking for as far as neighborhood, price, size, amenities, everything it had. So she gets hold of the agent, and the agent was at the hospital picking up her daughter who had just given birth to her, a baby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so that real estate agent met my daughter at this house with her daughter and brand new grandkid that was like a day old waited in the car while she showed them this house oh my they liked it she took her daughter and baby grand grandkid home wrote the offer and my daughter got the house that's some dedication right <laughs> that <there>. to me <laughs> that is a real estate agent that works for their clients and that's what people need you need somebody that's going to work for you you know, I had somebody tell me, he said, man, you sure put a lot of effort in for the, for your clients. Okay. I took that as a compliment. I'm not sure if that's how it was meant. If it was from another real estate agent, I took that as a compliment and that's what people should look for. Somebody that has the knowledge is going to represent them the best and work for them. 
Yeah, that you remember that real estate agent's name in North Carolina? They're not going to be from our company, but it's you know name dropping somebody like that is probably. A... <laughs> um. Yeah, I have her name in a text from my daughter. I was going to make sure I remember that, but <laughs> yeah, that real estate agent. Yes, uh, her name is Patty Toppy Kane. Poppy Kane. I'm not 100 sure I'm pronouncing it. Yeah, Toppy Kane. Poppy Kane. Okay, so Patty Topicane? Yes, and she's in the uh, Raleigh-Durham area um, in North Carolina and uh, also worked a little bit north in the Wake Forest area. So she gets a huge shout-out because she went above and beyond <laughs> for, for your family. Um, so, yeah, Todd, talk to me a little bit about sort of what what the a good – sales process looks like from the client's side um especially if you're listing land with a land professional uh such as yourself you know what what is what is a good a good interaction a good transaction look like so the i think the process starts by the agent getting to learn the land and know about the land um and that's where it starts and during that process you're building the relationship with the seller there and um in the land and then you can take what you learn there and transition that when you're working with the buyers and for both sides i think one of the biggest parts of a good transaction is that there are no hidden surprises um, they should know what's coming and they show there when they should know what they're going to get when they're walking the closing. They should know all the numbers. They should know everything that's there. When they, there are showings, they're still there. Um, the land professionals should be honest with the, the sellers too. Hey, this is a great piece of property, but here are some things that do detract from it. Um, because as much as they love their property, and most people love their property, there's probably a few negatives as well. And other people are going to see those. And so you need to recognize that and be, be honest and not front with people. But then for, for everybody, there's no surprises. And the surprises are, you know, for the buyer, the buyer can't be surprised that, you know, 30 days after they move in, the neighbor's driving a tractor across their front yard um, <laughs> and he's got the legal right to do so. That should not be a surprise, right? I mean, or whatever it is, that's just, you know, a funny type thing. But there could be lots of things with land that they're going to want to know, though, and to make sure that they learn that in the process, that they're not surprised after the fact. I was going to say that that honesty is really important for, for sellers as well, as far as having realistic expectations. It's like, you know, I know that you want to sell this for $2 million, but you have, and you have great ground for grazing, but you also have limited water rights that like dries up your land halfway through the year. You're not going to get that kind of, you know, an investor is not going to put out that kind of money for what you have and, and, and trying to get them to, to, to align their expectations on sale price and how it's marketed as, a, as opposed to what they want to do. Like you have to have somebody in the room that's going to be honest with them, right? You, you do. And unfortunately, there are agents out there that a lot of us call they'll buy a listing. And when I say buy a listing, they're going to go in there and tell the landowner that they can ask this price and it's going to be much higher than what that land value is, but they're going to secure the listing because 
hey, I'm going to go market it for this. And it's more than somebody else told them that it was worth. And then there I get it. It surprised me. And lately I've seen a lot of price reductions on property. And some of them you look at, and I'm like, man, that garden must grow golden carrots or something. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> but, um, and then it's very, I've seen, listen, eight days on the market and they're already dropping the price. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if an agent is going to a price reduction in eight days, they have priced it wrong or they don't know how to market your property. I was going to say mistakes were made, right? Well, and, and I think, I, and I don't know if you see this in your area. I've seen it in some areas in the country where you, you sort of have a, almost like an involuntary collaborative with agents where they sort of arbitrarily start raising prices because demand is high. And everybody starts yoinking the, pr the price up sort of arbitrarily to see what the market will bear. And then when you end up in a situation where the downturn starts hitting, like the, the market correction starts to hit that area, and you start seeing not just price reductions, you're seeing $200,000, $100,000 price reductions month after month just to get it back in range to where it's a realistic price. Yes, and some of that, I think there's there are agents out there that bear some of that responsibility, but some of it is just the, the landowners that they've seen the market go up and up for so long um, that the, uh, hey, they, they, wanna, they wanna beat the Joneses. Right. And instead of having what the Joneses have, they want to beat them. The Joneses got this much per acre. Well, we want this much. And even pricing land per acre, I don't think is a great model anyway, because not any two acres are the same or very few two acres are the same. But, um, you know, they want to beat it. And so it goes up. But that's not always a representation of the true value of what's going to happen. With yeah. It. That's a, that's a good question. How do you how do you go in and, and decide how you're going to evaluate the land when you're working with a seller? Well, you know, a lot of that's going to de depend on the type of land that you're looking at. If if you've got, you know, a hundred acres of irrigated cropland and they can all grow the same crop and the same dirt right, then you probably can. Hey, this much per acre. But if it's something somebody's going to build a house on, there is value in a piece of land just for the building value. There's value in it because I can build a house on it. But if you've got 20 acres and you can only put one house on 20 acres, that value is your house can go on one acre, but you're not going to get the value for that building right on all 20 acres. And so the first acre is going to be more valuable because it has that building right value on it. The rest of the acreage are not going to be as valuable. And so it's uh, land is very unique. Um, most of the time, no two pieces of land are the same. So you have to look at each piece and figure out the pros and cons to it. And a lot of it goes into consideration, building rights, water, easements, access. You know, I, I get people that call me all the time. Hey, I want 20 acres of land that borders national forest with power to it and has water and I can drive to it all year round. And I'm going to pay $100,000 for it. And I tell them, well, when I find three, I'll sell the third one to you. Yeah. When I find three, I'll sell you the third one because I'm buying the first two. You know, um, but because all the things that they mentioned as value, there's a lot of the good recreational ground out here, but nobody plows the road in the wintertime. 
you know, I just talked to somebody last week looking at 120 acres up in the mountains, but it was 5.3 miles of an unplowed road that if they were they were looking at it to build a house on. And, and you know, one is the logistics of not having that plowed, but two is the budgetary part of that to to pay a plow service, right? Because you can you can get a plow service to plow your road, but that's that that cost stacks up, and you have to be able to account for that. Right. Or are you willing to go in and out all winter on a snowmobile? Right. Or well, with a tractor? You know, what are you will what are you willing to do? Um, so, and then of course you've either got to go off the grid or you have to run power for five miles too. Right. So, and those things affect value. You know, that 120 acres wouldn't be as valuable as 120 acres that was 500 feet off a county maintained road that had power within 500 feet, water within 500 feet, you know, or a well depth, a, a drillable well depth, you know. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of wells in the area here that are 80 feet deep and doing great. And there are some areas that you might need to punch 600 feet. You get a geo that affects value of that land. Yeah, th those those areas that look great where everybody, all your neighbors have water, but you're on a geological fold or something like that, <laughs> or something that just like makes water. Right. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> what, what are some things you know with uh, with with agents or, or land professionals out there? What are some red flags? What do you? When should you just run for the hills when when you're working with somebody or you're interviewing somebody? What should you be looking out for? I would look at one of the is if, especially with land, if they're not going to put boots on your property, I would run. Okay. How can they represent your property the best they can if they've never even seen it? Right. You know, um, if they're not willing to take the time to walk around the property to get the pictures, to learn about, they've got to be willing to learn about it. Um, if there's a spring on the property, I like to walk to the spring. Um, you know, if 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 it's a property that's, you know, there's some properties we sell just for hunting. So I like putting out trail cameras. You know, because I want to see what's out there at certain times of the year. Um, so if they're not willing to put in an effort to educate themselves about your property, I would run. Yep. Um, and I, I can imagine I would run from plays in there as well. Like, you know, do they return your call like quick or, or like how communicative are there? Cause, cause you brought up a really great point about looking at the client, not as steak on a plate, right. You know, to where to you're not just, accumulating by by working with them you're actually working with them to serve them and and you mentioned that so i can imagine there's a lot of things to play in on, on right. just the communication side as well yes and uh the other thing is avoid is there's another term that we have for some people is the post and pray agent um and that's the agent that's going to take your listing throw it on the mls i've seen land listings and all they are is they've got It'll be hundreds of acres and they might have four pictures all from mapping programs like Google Earth and that they're taking a picture of the ground and they're posting them on MLS 
and then they sit back and just pray that somebody's going to see it and come along and buy it. Um, I think if you're giving your agent a portion of the commission, you're paying them that they should do more than post and pray. And depending on the size of the land, it's it's a pretty good investment that you're putting into the the professional that you're working with, right? Yes, it can be. Yes. So, so uh, you would think it would be worth their time to come out to the property and spend some time out there and get to know the property and be able to represent your property in the best manner that it could be represented. Right. So, so rough recap, make sure that that person is involved with your land, make sure they like your land, make sure that they can properly represent your land, make sure that they're responsive. And, and one of the, the more soft skill pieces that you mentioned is make sure you get along with the person that you're working with. It's, it's hard to go through a transaction process, especially if, if you start having to negotiate on price or, or different pieces or, or you know maybe you want to hold on to some mineral rights or different things like that along the sales process. You got to make sure that the person that you're working with in a stressful situation is somebody that you can actually tolerate. <laughs> is one of the pieces of that you do it needs to be somebody you can get along with yeah somebody whose personality you can kind of click with a little bit um if if you've got an agent that just like oh man i really dread calling that person maybe they're not the right agent for you <laughs> you know and and i would even say that for for agents if there's a client out there that wants you to sell their land, but you're like, oh, I just, we don't get along or we don't see, anyway. well, maybe that's not the right client for you either. You know, um, it can be a two-way street. I believe most relationships are played on two-way streets. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's got to be cohesive for both sides. Absolutely. Um, so Todd, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's your favorite part about working in the land industry? You know, as, as we kind of close out here, what's, 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 you know, you came into this in 2001 and you've been in this for a while. What's, what's your favorite part of this? You know, I, I love the outdoors and I like getting out, um, some of the land I've had a chance to, to work with on people. The views are incredible. Um, the the trees, the wildflowers, are just incredible. Um, even um, some of them, you you look at the cattle and and they can just be amazing creatures out there. You know, um, I like I love the outdoors. Um, I like it when my office view is miles and miles and miles of mountains and trees and showing that and that um, I'm not, oh, I mean, as real estate agents or land professional, we're stuck in the office a lot, but I do get a chance to get out and I like that. And I like the big open areas. To me, it's, it's much funner than a house in town where you're showing them the bathroom and you look out the bathroom window and you look at the neighbors in their bathroom. <laughs> it, it, uh, um, I like the openness. I like the fresh air. I like hearing the birds chirp. Um, I like hearing the squirrels rustling through the trees. Um, I still think it's fun when you see a deer walking out or an elk walking out or, or see a turkey strutting through the field. You know, those, um, 
I love the outdoors. I like being in the outdoors. I, I like being out on the land. That's just, it's a great place to be. It's peaceful. It's relaxing. It takes the pressures of the world off. Um, that's what I enjoy. I think that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good analysis of anybody that works in, in, in our industry or works around outdoor industries is, is you get the advantage of having that as part of your job. Um, I feel a little bit spoiled sometimes. And I, I spend most of my time behind a desk, but I do get out when I can. Um, so, hey, Todd, uh, you know, I want to, one, just thank you for for your time and and expertise in, in the field and, and sort of definitely for providing some guidance for potential sellers, potential buyers to, to find the right people to work with. And, and some really, I mean, we look at it as basic key points that people should look for. Like they set their foot on the ground. They know they, they have knowledge of all of the pieces. They can find the right information. They know things like water rights or mineral rights. Um, but that's, that's common knowledge to us, to, to a lot of people that are working with the sale, like a land transaction, even somebody who's owned land for a long time, you know, you've got those families that have owned land for a hundred years. They haven't sold land. You know, they, they know how they know their land, but not necessarily the market for land. And so they have to find the right people to work with too. And um, you know, so, so thank you for, for you know, that information that you have. Um, so let's let's say somebody wants to to sell land or look for land in Idaho. Uh, you know, they want some acreage, they want some rec land, they want a ranch, or they want you know they're looking for for a dairy outfit. How do they contact you? Who do you work with in Idaho? <laughs> well. Obviously, National Land Realty, that's the easiest way. Uh, you know, I love our website. You can go right there to National Land Realty. And um, whether you're coming into the state or going out of the state, we've got representatives from, from most of the states on there. Um, contact information is there. So those are great ways. That's got email address, phone numbers, office numbers, um, ways to get a get a hold of people. Um, right there with today's and the internet will get you there awesome well todd thank you thank you thank you for your time i very much appreciate it i know that you're on the road for for you listeners out there todd is in his truck right now taking this call with me so he's been <laughs> gracious enough to uh give me some some windshield time uh while while he's going about his day so todd thank you very very much Oh, you bet. I did find a nice shade tree. I pulled over and parked underneath so I can <laughs> focus on the call and uh, and uh, not mess up on my driving while I talk on uh, this call. Yeah, I'm glad you're so, practicing safety. Great. I appreciate you. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Mac. Um, you know, these people out there who are doing these land deals, most of them at some of the biggest investments they'll make in their life. You know, it's bigger than a car. Um, you might be putting a house on it. It could even be bigger than your house. Um, and so um, for those deals, I think it's important to find the right people to help you um, to, to get that done. You're putting a lot out there, so you should expect a lot from whoever you choose to hire. Agreed. And I, and I would look at it that way. They are hiring somebody. They're not listing a property with somebody. They're not trying to buy a property from somebody they are hiring somebody to help them in their process. Agreed. And, and in case, in, in case somebody hasn't picked up on it so far listening, if you're in Idaho, Todd is the right guy, just based off of, off of your work ethic and, and, uh, and the standards that you hold yourself to. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Mac. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, have a good one, Todd. All right, thanks. Goodbye. This concludes episode number 12 of the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing how to find a great land professional with Todd Dye from Southeast Idaho. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com. Listener, I noticed that you're still hanging out, probably listening to the music. But uh, what I wanted to do was remind you to check out our Land Tour 360s at nationalland.com. These, these land tours are innovative, interesting, and nobody else in the industry does this. Check out our site, look for any listing that has Land Tour 360 featured on it. You can tour our listings in three dimensions, zoom in, get a ground's eye view, watch videos from the ground, zoom back out look at things from the sky view, then zoom back in on properties that have 3D views of, of the houses that are on the properties. This is called a Matterport viewing. It's a 3D viewing system for, for housing. Check out Land Tour 360. It should blow you away. And carry on with your day. Have a good one and see you on the next episode. Welcome to episode number 12 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who are... If I could get one line... Seriously, this is, this is embarrassing. Welcome to episode number 12 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to... In... <laughs>